Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world, bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull. Welcome, everybody, to the Live Richer podcast. Today, we have Mindy Jensen. She is the host of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast and the co author of First Time Home Buyers The Complete Playbook to Avoiding Rookie Mistakes. She's an amazing expert. And if you've ever wanted to get into real estate, she's the woman to talk to. Or if you just want to have more money and save more money, Mindy knows how to do that as well. She is one of my favorite experts out there, and I'm so happy to have you here today. How are you doing, Mindy? Wow, Jamie, that was a really great introduction. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to have you here. Just right out of the gate, tell me, how did you get into real estate? I mean, what made you get into it and how did you start investing? I am cheap. I had a lease that I had taken over for a friend. And at the end of it, I was like, I am done throwing away my money on rent. I am going to buy something. And I didn't have any money to buy. So I bought a really awful condo in a really awful complex. And I, it was it was really, really gross. And I bought it for $50,000. This was 100 years ago. And when I sold it, because I got married and my husband actually had a house, I sold it for $75,000 after having done very little work to it. And I thought, oh, if you just make a house look nicer, you can make money at this. I'm going to do that again. So we moved into his house, which was also unattractive, and we made it look much nicer. And we made a lot of money on that too. So we decided that we would just start doing this. And this was right after Congress changed the uh, the laws with regards to capital gains and your primary residence from, it used to be that when you sold your house, you had to take the money and put it into a more expensive house. Or like if you downsized, you would have to pay capital gains on whatever the difference was. And now they've changed it to if you live in the house for two of the last five years and own it for two of the last five years, you pay no capital gains taxes, on no taxes on the gain up to $500,000. So when I sell my house that I bought, when I sold my house for $75,000, I made $25,000. I paid no taxes on that. When we bought his house for, I think, one hundred and thirty-five, dollars and we sold it for $235,000, I took that $100,000 and I put it in my pocket. I paid no taxes on that legally. And we have done that over and over again. And this is called live-in flipping. And you have to own the house for two years. You can only sell once every two years. There's some big rules around it, but you can make some big dollars tax-free legally just by doing this. I mean, you have to live in a construction zone. I'm making this sound way more romantic than it is. But do you live in a house, Jamie? Do you live in a place or like I do. If you have a house, you can make it look nicer and make a lot of money on it. Okay. Now you brought up a question I wanted to ask you. My husband thinks we should sell the house. It's worth a lot more than we bought it for. It's doubled in value. Should I sell it right now with the market being the way it is? I've been, we're going back and forth in this house. I'm like, no, they won't be able to replace it. He's like, it's so much money. It's quite a bit of money. It's 400K we would make. 
So, so this is a really good question. Uh, that's a very timely question because in almost every market in America, your house is pretty much guaranteed to be worth significantly more than you paid for it, even if you just bought it last year. So should I sell? Well, what can you get if you went and looked at a if you went to buy a house? You're now buying at those same prices. What I have done and what I've been how I've been able to do this is I'm not selling in markets that are this hot right now. I'm selling in regular markets where people come in and they're like, oh, what a nice house. Let me think about it. Okay, I'll buy it. And now in the market that we're in right now, people walk into your house, people like frantically run into your house. I want to buy it. Well, so do 50 other people. And it's this mad dash to buy a house, which is great for Jamie the seller, but it's really horrible for Jamie to be a buyer right now because you are competing with so many other people for the nice houses, for the not so nice houses, for the downright gross houses, for the houses that back up to the busy streets, for the houses that back up to the train stations, for the or train tracks, for the houses that are less than desirable, there's still a huge bidding war. So Mindy, what do you do? I mean, what do you do? Do I sell and rent and wait for everything to come crashing down? I mean, there's a lot of people that want to know what they should do. And there's females out there too that are like, oh, should I get into real estate right now? I have this money. Should I start investing? But we're all looking at the same thing you just said. Prices are so high. What should I do? That is, number one, you should be patient. You should not put yourself into a position where you have to make a frantic decision instantly. There are still deals to be had. They're not the most desirable. The most desirable houses are going to be a bidding war for top dollar, over ask, significantly over asking. You're giving up a lot of power as the buyer right now. But that doesn't mean that you have to give all of that up. But if you sold your house and you are now looking for a new house, because it's super easy to sell your house, but when you go and look for a house, it's really, really difficult to find something. So what should you do? Number one, be patient. Don't put yourself in a position where you have to buy a house in 30 days. Because what happens if you don't? You know, have Leave multiple options for yourself. If you wanted to sell your house, have a place to rent. Not only is the buy and sell market really crazy right now, so is the rental market. Do a little bit of research, like go on Craigslist or Facebook and see what is available to rent in your area. I haven't rented a house like personally in so long that I can't even remember how, like what's the best way to find a place to rent. But you have rentals, correct? I don't currently have you rentals. Don't. I sold my last rental last year to take advantage of that hot market and like almost immediately regretted it because, um, yeah, it was, you know, you make decisions based on the information that you have at the time. And we were in the middle of the pandemic and we had planned on taking our former primary residence and turning it into an Airbnb. We live right outside of Rocky Mountain National Park. We are near skiing and it's a very desirable area to be in for short-term rentals but short-term rentals were closed off. So we put a long-term tenant into the property. And then when they moved out, we decided we're just going to sell it because we don't really have time to deal with this right now. We're in the middle of our live-in flip. 
So then we sold it. We sold it instantly because everything sells instantly. And then the market just skyrocketed. So the people who bought it already have instant equity and that's great for them. Um, but you know, we made the decision based on what was best for us. So we are continuing to do the live-in flip. We've been investing in syndications. We've been investing in um, uh, doing uh, private lending and um, uh, doing a lot in the stock market right now. I'm trying to think that, oh, oh, we just, I'm like, what? I know we just did something. We just invested in a distillery in what? town. <laughs> So now you are going broad. You're going real broad with where you're putting your money all over and everything. But you know, as a woman, why do you, why, you know, you said you sold your home. I think there's a statistic that's out there that says women actually, um, they own more homes, but they make less when they sell their homes. Why do you think that is? They're not making as much as men when they sell. Wow. Yeah. That's what it said. I'm not, I'm not sure what that what that is referring to, because I would be putting on my very sexist hat right now, I would think that women are better at staging a home and, you know, making it like design wise, making it look better than most men would be. I know that's so awful to say. I shouldn't even say that. But well, I will. But maybe do you think it's because women sometimes are scared and they take the first offer they get? Are oh, there, I, was only, I was just thinking about that when you were just saying that. And it's like, you know what? I bet a lot of them are like, I don't want to hold. I'm going to take this. This is the offer I got. And, and maybe the guy is more like, well, this is what I want and I'm taking it. And they maybe lowball the, the female. Don't That's know. very interesting. I wonder if women are more trusting of their agent and men are more, nope, I'm, I'm holding out for this. You know, because I, I do think that agents can sometimes encourage you to take an offer that's good instead of holding out for an offer that's great. Um, I'm I'm not sure the the uh, information behind that statistic. That's very interesting, though. Yeah, I'll send it to you. So it was it is a really that. good one. And then another thing is what I know you've talked about this before and I've asked you this before is what do people do that maybe don't have the capital to start investing, what are some ways to get that capital or do to get into the market? Ah, so there's all sorts of ways to invest and there's all sorts of price points to invest in. Real estate investing is not just buying an apartment building or buying a single family home to rent out to somebody. You could buy a single family home that you live in and rent out a room to somebody, or you live in a duplex or a twin home where you live in half and the other person, you rent out the other half, which is an entirely separate building that's just connected to your building um, or entirely separate unit connected to your building. So you own the whole building, but you're having somebody else help pay your mortgage by, uh, by paying um, the rent on the other half of it. You could... It, double down and do both. And uh, that's what my podcast co-host Scott Trench did. He bought a duplex. He moved into one half. He rented out the room, the other half of his room, and then also rented out the other half. And he was essentially paying $0 a month to live in a house that he owned. That's called house hacking. You need a place to live and you are sharing your space. And there's all levels of sharing your space. I mean, you can rent out a room. You can rent out an entirely separate unit. Um, you can have multiple 
uh, roommates and make a lot of money. I have a friend, Spencer, in Las Vegas. He buys like seven bedroom houses and has six roommates. And he's totally oh fine with goodness. it because he's also like 28 or something. So he, I'm not 28 and I have children. So I don't want to have people living in my house. But I you know, do a different house hack. I buy a very ugly house and I make it look lovely. And then I sell it and I go buy another ugly house. Um, so there's lots of ways to get involved. There's something called note investing, where you're investing in um, a mortgage that somebody holds. And this is not something that I have done yet, but I know that you can buy small notes. You can buy a $5,000 note. You can buy a $500 note. You can buy a $50,000 note. There are all levels of investing. It doesn't have to be a $300,000 house or nothing. Like there's there's so many different options out there. Um, but above everything, no matter what niche you're getting into, educate yourself. Don't just jump in with both feet and say, I'll figure it out. Because chances are really good that you're going to <laughs> graduate with honors from the School of Hard Knocks. And why do that when you can learn from somebody else's mistakes what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. There's ways to screen tenants if you're going to go the um, the rental real estate route. There's ways to make sure that you're not buying the money pit. Oh my goodness, if you're going to flip houses, you have to watch the money pit with Tom Hanks and uh, you know, Shelley Long. That's one Long. of my favorites. I love that show. <laughs> if you just get anxiety from watching that show, flipping houses is not for you because every time you buy a house, you open up a wall and you're like, oh, well, that's where that smell was coming from. Or, you know, whoo, look at that. Now I've got another $10,000 bill that I wasn't expecting. Like there's always something more than you were expecting. And the money pit will really. Well, really right in the money pit, it showed working with contractors right there, you know, make, oh. taking advantage of you and who do you trust? And I, I mean, how does a person find people? You're going to do a flip. How would you find the right people to work with? Do you ask other people? Do you get referrals? What have you done or have you done it yourself, most of the work? Oh, that's okay. So that is exactly what I have done. Um, you can ask your friends and family for referrals. Ask your neighbors, you know, oh, I see you got a new roof. How did you like the roofer? You know, would you recommend them? Yes, they were great. Here's their number. Or no, they were horrible. Keep a list of both people. Uh, to to work with and to not work with. But um, no, we learn how to do a new skill instead of trying to find a contractor because it's easier to figure out how to do plumbing and electrical than trying to find somebody who can actually do it for you. Um, my husband's father was an electrician, so we have a little bit of a heads up or a leg up on that because my my husband like grew up watching his dad do all this stuff. But yeah, it's it's really difficult to find a great contractor. And if you do, treat them like gold. Bake them cookies, pay them whenever they give you their invoice. Be like, hold on, let me get my checkbook and write this checkbook. You want them to like working for you so they will continue to work for you. What's been the biggest mistake you've made? It, besides, I guess you said you sold that place when you shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> when it comes to real estate. Oh my goodness, I hired a contractor because he was cheap. <laughs> Good, fast, or cheap, you can have two. And I chose um, fast and cheap, and those are the worst two to choose. <laughs> he was not fast, he just said he would be fast, and he was super cheap until it came to the final bill, and his uh, some of his workers stole from us, 
And they took a three-month project and made it a six-month project, and it cost way more than it was supposed to. And we did have some modifications, but it was just a nightmare from day one. Um, we They came in and ripped off the roof because we were adding a second story. And then they left. This was not their fault. They left, and we got a 500-year storm. And it was raining in the house, like from the light fixtures and because there was no roof and it was just, you know, a nightmare and you didn't know that it was coming because this was back before you had all this really amazing weather uh, predictions and stuff. So I can't even imagine. And were you living in this facility, your house at this time? Oh, of course. Why would I have another house? I had this house and, and I had a four month old baby. <laughs> Without a roof? Was there one part in the house that had a roof? Is that where you guys were living at at the time? There was a spot in the middle of the bed that wasn't getting wet, and I could put her right there because she was only four months old, so she wasn't moving around yet. So I could put her there and know she was safe. And then we were like running around with buckets trying to, to like you ca- were the, capture your all own the water. money pit. It sounds like to me. I mean, that's yes. exactly like the movie, <laughs> Tom Hanks. I, that was a good one. I can't believe it. So that's, you know, I think that's a worry for people when you go get the fixer upper. I don't have money for the people tell you don't get that move in ready house. That's never the good deal. The one that looks beautiful and you just move in, you're going to be paying more than you should. So they tell you if you can get one that you can fix up and put something in, it's always better. But then when you hear horror stories like you're saying, it makes a person very scared to go out and do that, especially if you have no expertise and you know no one in the industry that can help fix that for you. And it is very scary. You should, this goes back to my comment about educating yourself. You really need to know what you're getting yourself into. It can be very scary, Uh, but there's also all levels of rehab. There are, I need new paint and new carpet rehabs. There are, it needs a new roof and you need to take all the walls to the studs and remediate for meth and mold rehab. And there's all levels of in-between. I'm in a house now that had severe smoke damage. Uh, Damage isn't the right word. Severe smoke of, they smoked in the house for 40 years. Okay. So you walk in and you're like, it stinks in here. You open up the windows, you rip out the carpet You put the ozone machine through every single room in the house over the course of a weekend, and 99% of the smoke is gone. And now I can live in this house, and it's nice to be in this house. And I can paint all the walls, and look at that. The house looks a 1,000% better. And I put in a new kitchen, and it's way better. It was the ugliest kitchen ever. And there's, you know, but you don't have to do a new kitchen. You can get a house that has an okay kitchen and paint the cabinets. Anybody can paint. Anybody can install flooring. It's, you know, it's just your level of comfort. And, you know, you go to Home Depot and Lowe's and they're starting to open these things back up again where they have classes to teach you how to install tile or teach you how to lay flooring. Or you can, you know, YouTube. Oh my goodness. If I had YouTube when I first started this, I never would have had these money pit things. But when did YouTube come out? 2004? And I was doing this in 2007, so maybe it was around. But I wasn't looking for YouTube videos on how to install flooring. I think back then it wasn't even like that. But now we've Nowadays, got everybody does that. I mean, they learn it all on YouTube and people, everything's out there if you want to learn how to do it and you want to take That's the time. That's exactly it. 
What a great quote. Everything is out there if you want to learn how to do it. And it's step by step. There are guys that have been doing this and girls. I'm so sexist. I'm sorry. There are people who have been doing this for decades who are like, hey, this is how you install a deck. We made a we built a deck in our backyard and it's actually not that difficult to build a deck. But we wanted to go fancy because why not? And we have a, a curve in our backyard. So we wanted to bend the treks instead of just like making the boards and cutting the boards in a curved way. We actually took the, the treks and bent it. And how do you do that? Well, you get these big heating blankets from um, from Taiwan and you crank it up to 500 degrees and you kind of melt the treks and you bend it into place. And we watched YouTube videos on this. And the the blankets were $500 to order online. And somebody said that they would come out and do it for $3,000 to bend like 30 feet of, of treks. I'm like, no, I'm going to learn how to do that myself. So now I know how to bend treks. And we watched a lot of different videos. And it's, you know, there's really nothing that goes into building a house that's that hard to do. I love you saying that. And, you know, because I think a lot of women think they can't do this type of stuff. And here you are doing it. I, and you're not even afraid. And the fact that you bought your first place and you didn't even care where it was at. You're just like, I'm too cheap to keep paying rent to somebody else. I'm going to make some money here. It says a lot about you. And I think about the female spirit, how women can't, if they want to, they can. And you've proven that. So did you convince your husband to get in this with you? I didn't hear that part. I mean, was he flipping before you were flipping? No, I actually owned the house that I flipped the condo first. Yeah, and then we said. met and we moved into his house. And I was like, I don't like this house. Let's change it. But See, then when we, when we sold you. it, See, it sold you, for so much money. You haven't given yeah. yourself enough credit here, I don't think. Well, he does, he does the majority of the work, the actual physical work, um, because he is now retired. So he's doing the plumbing and the electrical and, you know, I'm auxiliary help on that but it's it's still a lot of of collaboration but yes women can women can absolutely do this i mean we flooring oh my goodness flooring so easy i just we just did an ikea kitchen i put together all the cabinets he installed like the railing that they hang on and then um we installed them together cuz they're really kind of heavy and bulky and yeah it just but yes, having a partner who is on board is really, really helpful if you're going to be DIYing. I love it. So going back, let's just make, I want to circle back around here. So would you say that investing right now in real estate is a good idea? Whew. Yes, with an asterisk. So it depends. If you are buying a house that makes good financial sense, it's a great time to invest. Even with prices going up, even with interest rates going up, it's a great time to invest in real estate. If you are not running the numbers, if you just drive past a house and say, I'm going to buy it, and you don't do any research, it's a terrible time to invest in real estate. And if that's your approach, it's always a terrible time. So you really have to be making smart decisions. And that's going to be you know, the advice for anything in life. Like, If you want to buy a rental property and it's going to cost you a million dollars and you can get $1,000 a month for rent, that's a terrible property. Now, if you can buy that house for $100,000 and you can rent it out for $1,000 a month, it's probably going to be a great rental. 
Let's do some more diving into there. Let's first make sure that you can rent it out. Let's first make sure that it's in a desirable, like, is there any desire for that property? If you're in a city where um, property values are going down because the big uh, employer just left, employees are leaving too to go find a job. There's no demand for the rental property. doesn't matter that you can get it for free if nobody's going to rent it for you it's not a good rental property. So there's a lot of factors that go into play with, you know, is now a good time to invest in real estate? Yes, it is, but there's, it depends on your market, it depends on the property, and it depends on the demand. As a first-time home buyer, say just going out buying your first home, what are some things people need to look at when they go do that? Especially if you were a single, say a single female. If you're a you're single female, you were this yourself, um, when it comes to your first home to buy, what would should you do? So... School districts are a huge driver of uh, people coming in, of house values, because when you're in a great school district, families want to be in that great school district so they can be guaranteed a place in that school for their children. So if you're looking at houses, first look around and see what are the great school districts in the areas that I'm interested in. And just because you want to live in, you know, at first in Maine, doesn't mean that a house at, you know, five blocks away isn't going to be a really great value, still in the same school district, but slightly less price. Or maybe you want to be, you know, in this area of the world, and then five miles away is so much cheaper that it makes sense to buy over there. Like, like you really want to look at the big picture where you're looking, you know, where you want to be just because you want to be in this epicenter doesn't mean that South isn't going to be a better choice for you or slightly Northwest would be a better choice for you. So look in the the general area of where you want to be. Look at prices, look at school districts, look at what you are planning on long-term. It costs between two and 4% of the purchase price of the home in closing costs for you to buy a house. But it costs between 8 and 12% of the sales price of the home in closing costs for you to be the seller. So on a $100,000 house, when you're buying it, you're paying between two dollars and $4,000 in closing costs when you're buying the house. But that same house is costing the seller between eight dollars and $12,000. So if you're buying a house and, oh, in two years, I'll sell it. Well, in two years, you better have made a whole lot of money on that house or you're actually going to be losing money when you go to sell it because it's going to cost you so much. And people don't think about what it costs to sell when they're buying. They're just so excited to buy. I can't wait to get into this house. So, oh, I only need three bedrooms right now. Well, are you are you going to need four? Like the starter house, it really bothers me that phrase because why does a small house have to be your starter house? On the other hand, you don't want to jump into a Oh, well, I'm going to need seven bedrooms, so I might as well buy one now. Well, are you really going to need seven bedrooms? Like it's it's kind of a balancing act, but like look at yourself for the next 3 to 5 years. What are your plans? And yeah, life is going to throw stuff at you, but you know, could you get a slightly larger house than you need and rent some out? Or are you married and you're planning on having kids? Don't buy that one bedroom condo that you can both fit into right now if you're planning on having kids in three to five years. Maybe you get the buy one, get one free special and you have twins and then all of a sudden you need to move because you don't have any space in your house at all. 
So there's there's a lot that goes into it. It goes back to my comment about educating yourself. You know, this is a big purchase that you're making. I'm in the Colorado area. I'm in the Denver area. Our median purchase price, I want to say, is like $500,000, which just seems so low right now. Um, that's a half a million dollars. We throw around $500,000 on a house as though this is just pocket change. This is a half a million dollars that we're paying for a house. That's a big bunch of money. You should be making a smart decision with that money. Just because the bank is footing footing the bill, you're still footing the bill for that. The bank is bringing the money to the closing table, but that's a lot of money. You need to make sure that you're making a smart decision with a half a million dollars. And with interest rates going up, do you should people think will think, hey, I better do it now while the interest rates are still low? Be taking it more serious than sitting around waiting for the interest rates to go up in hopes that that will bring the prices down? I think they should be taking it more seriously, but again, not be putting themselves into a position where they have to frantically buy something. Make a smart decision. Don't just throw money at a house because you don't want the interest rates to go up. Uh, interest rates are going to go up. That is the the Fed has been saying that for years. They have been too low for too long. So we are going to see interest rate hikes. And I don't know what this uh, Ukraine thing is going to do towards interest rates, but we can just kind of bank on interest rates going up. So you should make plans to get into a home if that is what you were already planning, you shouldn't feel obligated to get into a home now if you were comfortable renting. There's some places that it doesn't make sense to rent. There's some times in your life where it, I'm sorry, there's some places where it doesn't make sense to buy. There are some times in your life when it doesn't make sense to buy. It's perfectly acceptable to be a renter for a lot of different reasons. Don't just buy because everybody else is buying. Buy because you feel like you want to be a homeowner. I think that's really good advice. I think a lot of people, they get scared. They want to buy a home and they just are like, I just don't know what to do. So I'm not going to do anything. And I don't know if that's the good, a good idea. If you were like, I was just going to ask you this. If you were a couple, you're married, you have a kid, you don't plan on leaving the area. Your family lives there and you've been renting, paying like 2000 to 2100 a month on rent. If you were their parent, what would you tell them to do? If they are planning on being in the same general area for the rest of their lives, buying sounds like it makes more sense. And, you know, of course, life throws things at you in a different way. But if you don't have these grand plans to go traveling around the world and you are going to be here for the duration, it makes sense to be a homeowner if that's what you want. Not everybody wants to be a homeowner. So I think that, I mean, life Take some planning. You can't just let it drag you along and, you know, you have to sit down and be like, okay, this is what I think I want it to look like. I want to own my own home by the time I'm 30, or I want the flexibility to never have to own my own home. I'm going to be a renter for life, or I'm going to have children, so I should probably have a house that will allow my family to expand, or I never want to have kids and a two-bedroom house will do me just fine. You just... Think about what you want. And it doesn't have to be something that you come to an agreement with in five minutes. You just have a plan and feel free to, you know, move your plans around as your life changes. But think about what you want five years down the road, 10 years down the road. 
I wouldn't really go much further than 10 years because, I mean, who knew this you was going to happen? No, no one would know COVID was coming. <laughs> no one would know we'd be, Ukraine and Russia would be fighting. I mean, there's so many things happening right now that, you know, you, every day you think to yourself, oh, that could never happen. And they're like, well, you know, I never thought we'd all be sitting in our houses and everything's closed down either. So I'll never say never. It's not something I say anymore. All that would never happen because you just don't know. <laughs> you really don't know what tomorrow will bring. And so I think because we live in a world that's kind of like that right now, we all get a little worried when it comes to our money and what we should do with it. And I think that's why people love going to, to blogs like yours, Mindy, and listening to your podcast, because we're all a little shaky and wondering what we should do. If we should, how do we save more? How can we be better with our money? And I think you're, you do really great at it when it comes to helping people with that. And do you have any trips, any tips on how people could save for a down payment? Just give me one or two quickies. Okay. Don't put it in the stock market. If you, we are experiencing inflation right now and there's no end to that insight. And that is a fact of life, accept it and move on. Your down payment needs to be liquid and needs to be available for you. So don't put it in the stock market because you don't know what's gonna happen. The stock market could drop 10,000 points tomorrow. I hope it doesn't, but I have no control over that. And if you find a house tomorrow that you need and the stock market has just dropped, what are you gonna do for your down payment? If you are going to buy in the next two years, your down payment goes in a banking account and it's not going to pay you a lot of money and that's okay. Your job is to protect the value of that in like real dollars, not in potential inflation, whatever dollars. You $10,000, you put it in your bank account, you've got $10,000 in there and your buying power is less because inflation, whatever you still have $10,000. Whereas if you put it in the stock market and the stock market goes down 10%, now you only have $9,000. And that's great. You know, that's not like, that's not great at all. That's not a huge drop, 10,000 to 9,000. But what if you have 100,000 in there and you're about ready to put down a down payment on your you know, 20% down on your $500,000 house and then the stock market crashes and now you only have $90,000 and that changes the way that you're mortgage works because now you have private mortgage insurance and now you can't qualify for your mortgage. There's a lot of things that can swing if you decide to get cute with your down payment. So if you want to save for your down payment, put it in a bank account. Don't put it in the stock market. Um, how bad do you want this this house? How bad do you want this down payment? Um, there is uh, conventional wisdom says that you put 20% down on the house, but there are programs to get you into a home at 3% down, at 5% down. There are some programs that'll get you into a house at 0% down. The USDA loan is typically for uh, rural areas, so that it isn't available for all areas, but the USDA map does not keep up with the building that's going on, so your new house could be in the middle of the USDA loan map, which allows you in at 0% down, but then you're actually in like a neighborhood. So um, that's available to, I don't want to say to everyone because it's not, but it's available to anyone in that map area. So you have to check the map to make sure that you're- And what sure was that, that again? One more time. That's Mindy. the USDA loan USDA so the USDA loan. loan. So those loans, person doesn't have to have a down payment, and they're typically in rural areas. Is what you're saying? 
Mm-hmm. If you just Google USDA loan map, you'll get a list, or I'm sorry, you'll get a link to the rural housing eligibility map. And you just click on that, you type in the address, and it'll pop up, yes, this is available, or no, you can't use this, this loan right here. Um, another 0% down loan is the VA loan. It's only available to veterans and active duty military. Um, so if you're available, if that's available to you, you know it. Uh, but the the 3% down is a conventional loan for somebody with really great credit. 3.5% down is an FHA loan for borrowers with credit scores down to 580, I believe. The uh, 5% down is a conventional loan program. Now, these do come with mortgage insurance. This is an additional monthly payment that you are making to kind of guarantee that you're going to make the payment Um or but, it, but it can go off typically, can it? If after the value of the home goes up to a certain amount, doesn't that insurance go off your payment every month? So PMI on a conventional loan can go, you can request that they remove it once you have paid down the equivalent of that 20% down. Um, or you can, they, they, they have to take it off when it hits 22% down, but you can request it at 20% down. Um, or you can refinance if you've seen su- huge spikes in your um, in your home value. Sometimes it makes sense to refinance. Uh, you can always talk to your lender and ask them if they can do a reappraisal and see if there's anything that they can do to to remove the PMI. Um, with an FHA loan, it's called MIP Mortgage Insurance Premium, and there's no way to get it off the loan except to refinance out of that mortgage uh, out of that mortgage itself. So um, you used to be able to do that and then with the crash of 20, 2008, they like rewrote all the rules. So now you can't do that anymore unless your loan was I think was created before 2013, but that doesn't apply to people that are listening now. Um, mostly. But yeah, there's a lot of ways to get in early and in some cases it, it makes sense to, buy the house, have the mortgage insurance premium for a little while. Um, Mortgage insurance doesn't have to be that expensive. It depends on your credit score. It depends on how much you're putting down. depends on the area that your property's in. But I have a client who put down 10% because he didn't want to sell stocks to get down the other 10%. And then his mortgage insurance is like $17 $17 a month or $60 oh, a month nothing. or something. It's nothing. He's like, I would rather keep my money in the stock market and just pay this little bit of nothing for my mortgage insurance. I'm not even going to pay that early because it's so low for me. So, you know, talk to your lender. If you're starting to look for a property, talk to your lender and see what your options are. They're going to be able to give you all the options that are available to you. There's first time homebuyer programs that are available. And sometimes those come with like a course requirement. So you have to go through classes in order to qualify for that loan. Um, I know that Colorado has a first time home buyers program that gives you down payment assistance. If you take a series of classes and it's, I mean, you can take these well in advance, but I didn't even know about this. This is great. You there's, there's a lot of programs out there. So talk to your real estate agent, talk to your lender and just ask, what are some programs available to me as a first-time buyer or to me as a woman or to me as a member of a minority group or to me as, you know, whatever you've got going on 
that you know makes you a special borrower to me as a veteran how do i get my you know my va loan benefits so there are programs then for um different things like that you know cuz mm-hmm. a lot of people just go for that standard mortgage they think that's all there is. And what you're saying is do your homework again, go out there, do some research and make sure you're getting the best program possible for yourself. Yes. Yes. There's so many loan programs out there. Find one that works for you. Yeah. I love it. I didn't realize that they have that. I just thought you just have your kind of standard loans and you're shopping around for the interest rate. I didn't think about you could be shopping for more than just the rate. Okay. Now I'm going to say something that's not going to be super popular. But it's going to be reality, which is what you need to hear. Right now, FHA loans, when you are making an offer on a home, if I've got, as a seller's agent, if I've got multiple offers and one of them is an FHA loan and one of them is a conventional loan, I'm going to look at that FHA loan like it's a turd because the FHA loan has so many conditions involved in buying that in, in qualifying for that property. I listed a house a few years ago. The only offer that we got was an FHA loan. And it we had to uh, delay closing three times, reschedule closing three times because of all these little hoops that the borrower had to jump through, that we had to jump through over and over and over again f- just because of the loan product. The appraisal on an FHA loan sticks with the property for four months. So if we get an FHA appraiser who comes out and says, this house is worth $500,000, and you're like, ooh, but I said I'd pay five seventy-five, dollars you will either bring $75,000 to closing to cover the difference, or you're asking the buyer, the seller to drop the price to $500,000. And then if you, if they won't, they can't accept another FHA loan for four months, because that same appraisal is going to follow that property for four months. Whereas if they were getting a conventional loan and it came in at 500000 you could say, there's no way this house is worth $500,000. i am going to get a different appraisal and I'm going to you know, roll the dice again. Maybe another appraiser comes back and says, oh, this is worth five seventy-five. Oh, so there is a little contingencies when you go with the, with the, go with the FHA loan. Yeah, there is. That you need to be and aware I, of. I would really, really like all loan products to be equal, but they aren't. And an experienced listing agent is going to know that a conventional loan has a lot fewer hoops to jump through than an FHA loan or even a VA loan. Now, I have had zero problems with my VA loans. I have a rock star VA lender who knows all the ins and outs of the VA loan and can get it pushed through. He's done uh, closings for me in 17 and 21 days, which is unheard of in the VA loan. So if you are using one of these, uh, I don't want to say alternate loans, but if it's not a conventional loan, you want to get somebody who is a master of that type of loan. So if you need a VA loan, Get a VA lender. Get get somebody who is just, they do so many VA loans. They know how to push it through. They know how to get this loan closed and will sit there and, and you know, uh, convey this to the listing agent as well. If you have a USDA lender who knows what they're doing, they can get this done. If you have somebody who's never done it before, they're going to be figuring it out and learning with you as they go. You don't want somebody who's learning with you. You want somebody who knows what they're doing that they can walk you through the whole thing. So 
What would you suggest right now um, when it comes to women, a single woman getting into the, I want to just ask this one last question here about flipping. You brought up the flip. I want to know what thing in the house, what part is the best part to remodel to get the biggest bang for your buck? Kitchens and bathrooms, 100%. But that doesn't mean you have to rip out the the cabinets and rip out the countertops and do the whole thing. You can paint cabinets as long as they look good. You can't paint crappy cabinets and make them look amazing. They're going to still look like crappy cabinets with paint on them now. But you can take a cabinet that is the old oak cabinets from the 70s and 80s, the sturdy cabinets that have been around forever. You can paint them and make them look really nice. You can you can paint them and make them look really bad too. So take your time and do it right. I have a friend, the Frugal Woods, at her website, frugalwoods.com. She did a two-part series on how she painted her cabinets. And she it's very detailed. It's not just paint and you're done. You strip the oils off the cabinets. And you know your hands have touched them for a long time. So there's a lot of stuff on there. You strip the oils. You clean them really well. You take all the hardware off. You do a... a primer coat and then you do a base coat and then you do a top coat and then you do like a sheen uh, like varnish or something and it's a long process but when you're done they look professional they look beautiful and they look way better than they started off with and it's time consuming but it's not uh it doesn't cost a lot of money if you diy it so if you're going to get into flipping, if you already have a house that's kind of ugly and you're like, I want to make it look nicer, the most bang for your buck is going to be in the kitchens and bathrooms. And you take those old cabinets that are sturdy, just ugly, and you paint them and make them look gorgeous. You have a brand new kitchen for what's a gallon of paint? $35? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's about all it is. Yeah, $35 in a week. Then it's it worth it, 100%. I think first thing people see in the photos and different things are always the kitchens and the bathroom. Yeah. Like, oh, it looks so dated. And it seems daunting to the person buying sometimes to be able to do something like that. And if you can do it, then you should do it. Um, in fact, my parents just did that. I sold them my first starter home. I actually sold them a home. And as soon as they went in, they went in and redid the cabinets. And it's like a brand new house. I cannot believe it. You would have thought it was a new build simply from my them doing the cabinets in the kitchen, in the bathroom, and then my dad did his own backsplash on in the <sighs> back. And, and, and so he did that, and that was another thing too. And you would be dying to be like, whoa, that looks so different now. It looks so much bigger. You know, he did the white because the white's really popular, and they did all that, and it was really great. I, I don't think people realize just those few little things can – brighten up a space and change it and seem like brand new. I, I guess you do, Mindy, because you do it all the time and been doing it for years. But I don't think the average person does and takes time to think about it. They always think that's something I see um, Joanna Gaines and those guys doing on TV. It's not something I can do. But what you're saying is, yes, you can. You can go just read the books, go watch the videos and go try it. You can do it. Don't be afraid. Go out and take a chance, right? Take a chance 100%, on yourself. 100%. 100%. Yes. And oh my goodness, Pinterest and House will give you 200 million ideas and you want to try them all. And I mean, you can you can do a really beautiful black backsplash for 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. 
There, I, I've seen some people do it and they just have done amazing jobs. And I always love to ask my guests the question, what does it mean to live richer to you? So to live a richer life, what does that mean to you, Mindy? That means to me to live a fulfilled life, to live a life not of deprivation, but of finding ways to include the things that make you feel good, to find the ways find ways to include the things in your life that matter to you. I don't want to deprive myself of anything, so I don't. But I also don't have everything because I don't need everything. I have everything that I need to be happy. I like that. I guess that's how you, and you are a a woman who can live in a house that's under construction and still have a smile on her face. How many kids do you have, Mindy? I didn't even ask you that. I have two. I have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old. And so they've been under construction how for how long? Uh, since before they were born. Do you continue, you plan on to continue to do this after you built that deck and you've done all this in the house you're in now, are you going to flip it? We will probably be in this one for a few years. Um, uh, right now, I'm not excited about jumping in and trying to compete with people in the housing market um, in this particular minute. Um, I'm helping enough people try to buy houses on their own. But if the housing market cools down, if you know, if there's a crash, and I don't know that there's going to be a crash, but if there is a crash, I might start looking at other houses. Um, we're finally finishing this one up. We have some flooring to do still, but for the most part, we're done with it. And um, it's nice to be done. And now I can live in a pretty house instead of the gross house that I've been living in. For, it was really ugly. It was a shrine to 1979. Oh so I am, I'm really happy to be in 2022. So do you have before and after photos? I'm guessing you do. I, I do. You have to send them to me. I'd love I to see them. I might you. put them in the um, the article we'll do. I would love to see the before and afters of some of your work that you've done. Um, I think it would really inspire people to see that. And again, I just thanks for coming on and being an inspiration for any woman who wants to jump into the real estate game and make money and do more with their lives. Because as you guys always say, you know, always should try to make your pockets bigger, huh? Is that the thing? <laughs> I was trying to ask, what is the tagline with bigger pockets? Like, how did you guys get that? But I've seen that you've been able to do it. You went what, from a $50,000 condo to what do you have now? Uh, now I have a house that um, it's kind of in a cookie cutter neighborhood around the corner from me. The house, the same model was just listed for $795,000, which seems absurd to me. How I much, bought mine for How much was that again? You bought it for three hundred, and how much are they selling for right now? I bought mine for three sixty five, dollars and they just listed it for seven ninety five, dollars and had a bidding war for it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Things are crazy, but crazy good. And a lot of people are able to make a lot of money and do some amazing things during this time. And hopefully all of our listeners will be able to do that. And like I always tell everybody to remember to live richer. Thanks again, Mindy, for coming here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at livericherpod at gobankingrates.com.